0: Radio. Well, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I am glad and delighted to be a part of the body of Christ. And there's no more beautiful of a time and a period to live in such a time that is where we believe to see God's goodness in the land of the living. We're going to be studying the word of God systematically. This is a supernatural systematic study class. And we deal with topics relating to the faith and for empowering us to live um, a higher quality of life, which Christ has died for and shared with his own blood. Of course, you know, this is a great time to really focus in on Jesus. And so if you have a Bible or a notebook, I would encourage you to get both and take down the notes and the scriptures that we review today and um, okay. continue just to pray. Uh, because I believe that the subject that uh, we are um, are dealing with and addressing today is really going to help a lot of people. And so for that, I am passionate and serious about the direction in which I'm going. So I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit for assistance in today's deliberation and discussion so that we can get the most out of this lesson. Amen. And then when we finish I just believe we're going to have some great marching orders for, for some great things ahead. Amen. Well, let's well let's not delay. Spread the word. Send the, a copy. The um um copy and paste this and send it to everybody you know, especially those that are experiencing church hurt or don't want to experience church hurt. This is a great teaching for them because we're dealing with help for church hurt. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for this day, knowing that this is the day that you have made the rejoice in the glad. We thank you for another opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. It is the authority of your word that gives me confidence to make boldly known the mysteries of the gospel of the Lord Jesus. I do lean and depend on the Holy Spirit, who is the educator and the guide, who gives me clear articulation of speech and thought as I make manifold known the wisdom of God. Holy Spirit, I say, have your way. Do what only you can do. Anoint people's ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. And, Father, in everything that shall be accomplished and in everything that shall be revealed, you be glorified, for it is in the name of Jesus. And we praise you and give you glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Part of this is a church meeting, and the other part of this is just a personal one-on-one, if you will. I'm going, to, I'm going to challenge us a little bit, um, but I believe that we're going to really be able to help a whole lot of people because a whole lot of people believe, or believe that they are hurt by the church. I'm also going to deal with the, the common um, uh, hot topic of why people don't come to church. And so, um, like I said, I've been instructed by the Holy Spirit to address this. I have been in the church for 37 years. And out of the 37 of those years, I've been in church leadership for 30 years. And so I've seen a lot in my lifespan. And so with the help of the Holy Spirit and even with trial and error, I have a compassion in my heart to really help people with this because Me personally, uh, you know, my background is I was born in the church. I have family. All, most of the majority of my main family, you know, your parents and your grandparents and your aunts and uncles are are mainly in the ministry in some forms. A lot of them are clergy. A lot of them are singers. A lot of them are medical um, physicians and assistants and nurses, Uh, but but we have all that commonality of faith. So I come from a strong heritage of faith. And I've had the privilege in my lifetime to experience diversity among congregations. I've been in traditional settings, I've been in very non traditional settings, I've been in um, integrated sessions, uh, settings, and multicultural settings, authentic multicultural settings. And so, um I've had uh, the uh honor and privilege to be able to come from a a healthy background and I've also been connected to various denominations and associations across the board that gives me a little bit of a uh advantage if you will in, in being able to relate I've been in the highest echelon of the church to be an unrecognizable in a church, and so I have a uh, again uh, um, um, believe that if God has allowed me and afforded me the privilege to be able to share on such a subject is because I've gained some somewhat of an advantage in this in this in this thing that we all face. And, that we all may face. Not everybody will face this, prayerfully, not many more. But you can't avoid it. And um, and many of us have experienced it. But the Lord told me to ask some critical questions to consider before you address personally the subject of church hurt. And that's where I want to begin. And then we'll go into our subject of Ephesians 4. But let's, let's give a foundation with the word first. And we understand that the book of Ephesians really helps us comprehend God's plan for his church. Uh, First, that he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in Christ. So all of this is in Jesus. Jesus asked two questions to his disciples right before he goes through his passion and purpose uh, of fulfillment of his purpose. And that was, who do men say that I am? and who do you say I am? And this was not for him to get bragging rights or get accolades about what he's done or who he was, but for them to receive what his life's works were all about. And Peter, by the inspiration of the Spirit, perceived that he was the Christ and the Son of God. Scripture goes on to say that flesh and blood did not reveal this to but my father, which is up in heaven. And so he said, and upon this rock, Peter, and Peter's name means pebble and rock, I will build my church. Was it on Peter? No, but it was on the revelation of the identity of Jesus or what he valued the most that he would construct his church. And while he was on the earth, he preached the kingdom of God is at hand. But when he left the earth, he commissioned his disciples to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit would then empower the church so that, that daily the church was added as such a be saved. Ephesians four kind of starts off with giving an a overview of what Jesus did. He that also ascended also descended and gave gifts to men. And he set some in the church. Prophets past apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edification of the body what's the result of that? Do we all come into the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God into a perfect perfectness or into maturity? so we can use that as a as a means, but I think the latter part of this same chapter kind of challenges us uh to to address um how we should be in the church. And verse 17 is where we want to start. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Who being in past, past feeling Having given themselves over to lasciviousness, to works of all uncleanness and greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard of him and have been taught by him as of the truth that is, is in Jesus. That ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Here's another charge to the transformation of the renewal of the mind. That ye put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and in true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speaking every man truth with his neighbors. Now, that's very key. For we are members of one another. The church, be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. neither give place to the devil. Let him that steal, or him that stole, steal no more. But rather let him labour, working with his hands, those things which is good, that he may give unto him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good for the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. And let all bitterness And wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you very straight and narrow, very clear-cut statements that will help you do what it takes to be the church. And this is what the church is all about, the preaching of the gospel the praying um, because the house of God should be called a house of prayer, prophetic utterances and giftings displayed by the workings and wonders of the Holy Spirit, the provoking to repentance and unto righteousness and holiness, placing priority on a kingdom-first reality. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added on to you. That's what we're all about That's what should be done in the church. That's what should indicate to you that you are at a church. Well, the question becomes, have you really been hurt by the church? And before you can honestly, the Bible says, speaking the truth, before you can honestly look into church hurt, you have to honestly ask yourself, um, am I qualified to address the subject of church hurt? All right, let me give you five questions that you should ask. And these questions are kind of rough now, but we need to ask ourselves and be honest. And this is between you and God. You don't have to ask, you don't have to sit, stand before me and confess it to me or confess it to the priest in some room, but you need to ask yourself legitimate questions. And we're going to deal with this because there's a, there's a lot of tactics out there to try to sway you and, and manipulate you to something that's not of God, and, and puts you in a a place that you should never go if you don't qualify and can't clearly say yes to these five questions. And this is prior to you even considering if you've been hurt as the church. These are questions that you should ask yourself as the church, periodically throughout your life, if you are really all in the church. Do y'all get what I'm saying? because this is this is where we have to begin because i know so, some of us when when you hear these questions are going to not qualify to really address help for church hurts because you're going to need help just to be the church and i'm just i'm just being quite honest with you okay so these questions need to be asked number 1 do i understand what it means to be the church <clears throat> Do I understand what it means to be the church? Do I understand? Do I comprehend the plan, purpose, objective, the purpose, goal, and objective of what it means to be the church? Not to go to church, but to be the church. Understand what it means to be the church. All right. Number two. Am I committed and devoted as a disciple of the Lord Jesus? Now, that don't have nothing to do with church hurt. This has everything to do with identifying you as the church. A disciple of Jesus are those that continue in his word consistently. If you, are, if you continue in my word, you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So am I committed to the word of God? Is the word of God final authority in my life? Am I a disciplined, self-learned, self-dedicated, self-devoted learner of the Lord Jesus Christ? If, if that's not the case, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all, you are not the church, and you can identify as being hurt by the church because you're not the church. Do you get my questions? Because many, many of you cannot be identified as the church, because you are there. You are not the church. Jesus is not Lord of your life. Those, the steps of good men are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinner, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in that law does he meditate on day and night. And he is like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Are you that man? Are you that woman? Because there's a deception out there that makes it seem like you are the church, when in fact you are not. Is he Lord? Did you confess with your mouth? Did you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? See, see, that's that's where it begins. Your belief in in the Lord Jesus begins with his with believing in his death, burial, and resurrection. Are you saved? See, if you're not saved, don't tell me about church hurt because you're not the church. If you if you got knocked out from being a disciple, don't tell me about church hurt because you are not the church. Church hurt is people who are the church that got hurt. Does that happen? Absolutely. Are you one of them is the question. Thirdly, do I consistently... Support and stand as the life and stability of the local church. Can my church count on me not only to be present but to be active? Here's here's another one. Because many people say they they are the church or they're in church, and they don't ever go to church on Sunday or whenever they have worship. They are not on the membership. And just because you attend somebody's church don't mean you are the church. So even if you get hurt and you're not a member, in God's eyes, you ain't a part of that church. You might be out of place. So if you are, if you are a member of the church, been to membership class, joined it, publicly declared your devotion and your discipleship through Jesus Christ, and you understand what it means to be the church, then you can say yes to this, this discussion. Y'all get what I'm saying? Okay, here's the big one. Am I a find generously? Am I a generous financial supporter or tither or a systematic giver to a local congregation? My grandfather taught me a valuable lesson as a minister, and he's applied to a minister. Um, he taught me this lesson: always be seen giving, giving of your talents, your treasures, and and and, and your resources. Your time, rather. Your time, your talent, and your treasures. Y'all get what I'm saying? But th- but this question is are you financially contributing to the church? And I rebuke and I come against those noisome pestilence that try to have you critique and to challenge the validity of a church that you don't financially contribute to. How Praise the Lord. Do y'all get my point? See, stop looking outside if you've never been inside. You can't tell me about my house if you've never been inside. You need to make certain. The Bible says your gifts make room for you. Or in other words, you need to make certain. And I know we don't like to talk about this because a lot of people think they're members, but you're really not a member of a church until you financially contribute to the church. And how dare you critique whether you're getting hurt by the church when you're hurting the church by not seeing to it that you're you're consistent in supporting financially uh, um, to that church. Now, when you are a committed tither and a systematic giver, then you can give voice. I mean, for instance, you would never go to a doctor who never went to school. They got to pay for school. (laughs) You'll never go to a McDonald's store that don't have the McDonald's logo on it. That person had to pay for that franchise. Who owns it? And there are certain regulations that make it what it is. So when, when, when you are in the body of Christ, your responsibility as the body of Christ is to see that, to it, that his house is not in need and not in want. And that's because you honor God and you love God. You love to give. You hate sin and you love people. And you love others as you love yourself. You comprehend the plan of God. You consistently, you can be seen as committed in the devoted disciple of the Lord Jesus. You, you can be consistently seen. They know that you go to that church when you walk in the door. And, I, and I've been in churches, and they know my name in a 10,000-member church as well as a two-member church. So it doesn't make a difference what size the church is. If the church is a church and if you are the church, you should be known by the church you go to, by your attendance, your attitude, your behavior, your consistency in your giving, and your consistency in your character and integrity. Y'all get what I'm saying? And do I serve in, a, in the ministries or the auxiliaries of the local church? Now, these are some, these are some questions that we ask before we deal with church hurt because if you if you can't confidently say yes to every question that I just asked you, the problem is not the church or the church outside of you. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? It's, it's that you still need to get in get grafted with us. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? And there are churches out there that will hurt you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. But God can heal it, and God has help for that. I said God can heal it, and God has help for that. I'm a living witness that God has healed me from church hurt. And I can love the unlovable because Jesus loved me. Hallelujah. Now, five common attacks of being committed to the church, and this is what I want to kind of open up the dialogue with Now, I know most people talking about, you know, you, you know and they go immediately when you deal with church hurt, they, the first thing they go, go with immediately oftentimes is offense and conflict. You're going to have offenses and conflict with yourself, yet alone with other people, because you are favored and flawed, but you are, function as a human. And as long as you have flesh, there's going to be challenges. So a lot of times there are some things that are taking place within you that people don't even know. Sometimes they don't even know that you're hurting, <laughs> and that ain't they fall. And it's not their responsibility to tell, to identify whether you're hurting. But we're all collectively uh, engaging in a corporate anointing for the effect of the church to be manifested on the earth. We don't got time always. Now we should be focusing and take time. To so have introspecting and look within. I'll charge the pastors in a second. Not every Sunday. Everybody can't. If, if if everybody deals with every offense that takes place within their own head, we will never get anywhere. And and that's where idolatry forms and stifling growth and development takes place all the time because there is some attacks on being committed. And and a lot of times you want to have you want to have a cure someone who's not committed to chasing the answer to get the cure. And that's a waste of time to communicate with somebody who has no intentions to be committed as the church to teach them how to get healed from church hurt when they're not the church. Do y'all give a point? And this is what's taking place. And then we have pastors and leaders that are developing reading articles about why people are not consistent and why people why the millennials are not coming to church, why the old-time way don't work, and, and really it's because we really haven't comprehended the plan or we've done so many modifications to be accommodating to so many people that there is no, there is no recognizable distinction from our culture and concept of worship and faith uh, enough to really stand out on our own. But there's just some things that the scripture biblically declares as a church. Let me give you right quick five scriptures that you need to know. Ephesians 4, Colossians 3, John 15, Philippians 1, and Galatians 6. The whole chapter. I mean, you really need to read the whole book. But but at least know those chapters to help you be the church. Okay? So y'all can say, I gave you some scripture. (laughs) Praise the Lord. And we went to Ephesians 4. Those other words you will have to expound on your own time. There's some some great insight on that um, on those on those scriptures, okay? But these are the common attacks. Number one is the delusion of hypocrisy. And let me say this: the church is the church is the church is the church. It's an institution that was established by God through His Son Jesus Christ, and the rules, the regulations, the rights and privileges are all locked in the plan of redemption. And it is up to the believers to devote themselves to learn their redemptive rights in order for them to exist competently at the church. It is not the church's role to to uh, create all these alternatives and systems to be appeasing to secular culture, nor or to be focused on a set generation to determine the growth its growth and development. God needs every generation, young, old, black, white short, tall, uh you know, no matter what distinctions we have, God needs all humanity to come into the knowledge of the truth. And so the the, the plan of salvation is global. The, the 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 plan of the church and the government of the church is on the Lord Jesus' shoulders. So we gotta look under Jesus, the author and the finish of our faith as a pattern, as the principle and as the as the key proponent to growing and taking the church to the next level. You know what I'm saying? The church is a body. It's a living entity, an organism, a group, and it's housed within mortal men and women who seek the face of God, who set their affections on things above, who search the scriptures to see whether the things be so. These are days. they that have sanctified the Lord God in their hearts, and they're able to give an answer for the hope that lies within them. And, and occasionally when we're in situations that try our faith, we get hurt. But let me tell you, there's help for the hurting. There's help for the hurting. The delusion is, is because people have come up with uh, 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 scenarios of hypocrisy, they think looking at other people will dictate the strength and, the, and, and should dictate whether they should stay committed to being the church. Nothing should stop your commission, uh, commitment to the church, especially the delusions of hypocrisy, because Christ did not create a hypocritical church. He created a church where the gates of hell shall not prevail. He created a church that sits in the top of the hill that cannot be hid. He created a church that is the pillar and ground of the truth. I'm giving you the scriptures of what the church is, and until you have respect, for the authority that Jesus died for, until you have respect for the place which God has provided for us to come together in unity, until you have respect for God's creation called the church, you can never get free from the delusion of hypocrisy. That should never be in the first place because Jesus is not hypocritical. I don't care what man does, let every man be a liar, but let God be true. And if God be for you, who can be against you? How dare you allow the devil to trick you, to to, to even suggest to you that the church is hypocritical? Because the church is not. Number two, the delusions of irrelevance. Now here he tells us to seek first the kingdom of God, which is a manifestation of the church of God in full effect. His kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven connecting with earth because man is submitted to the will and the authority of the Spirit over the things of the world. How dare you say we are so super spiritual or we're so earthly or we're so heavenly minded we're no earthly good? How can you be heavenly minded and be no earthly good? Stop saying what the world is telling you to say. Stop disrespecting the authority of the church. Stop disrespecting the mind of Christ. I come against that spirit that tries to rob you from the authority and the integrity and the honor of the church which Jesus died on the cross for you to be. And if you insult the institution, no wonder somebody else is not going to come through you. No wonder nobody's going to trust you. And no wonder you don't even trust yourself. You don't have any respect. It's irrelevant. If you reverence it, if you have been trained to reverence and to honor God, there is no way you can honor God and hate his church. And that goes for you preachers who get up there and spew hate week after week in the name of God as if you're speaking on his behalf when you're bleeding on the sheep. With erroneous doctrine, with doctrines of devils, with seducing spirits, with secular humanism, trying to psychologically analyze people who are already spiritually manipulated. How dare you get up on the pulpit and misrepresent God as if His kingdom is not relevant? Having couple sessions as if the couples are the only ones that need to be addressed, having romantic rendezvous and kissing and showing sexual affection over the pulpit How dare you get up on behalf of God and not speak the oracles of God and get up there and make it a social setting, as if because you're talking about some type of situation that you're representing the church. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. That's not Bible. Is that the preaching of the gospel? Is that the prophetic evidence that comes with the showing of the gifts? Get back to the integrity of the church and stop playing church. Be the church all the way or don't be it at all. Respect the institution because it's relevant because God established it as the place and the seat of authority on the earth for which all institutions submit to. The church is the highest entity. And we cannot afford to have people representing the church who are not a part of the church. Do y'all hear me? Do you hear my heart behind this? Then, thirdly, it's distracted by worldly culture. You know, because a lot of times we say stuff is in the church that shouldn't even be in the church. I got upset one time because we went to a church, and they so 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 set on bucking against tradition, and bucking against what they call you know uh, trying to change history, that they're just not even doing. What the scripture says is the church they didn't pray don't mention Jesus don't preach the gospel and a lot of times we try to make the church more than what it should be and because people don't have social lives and because they are convicted of the church they try to do things in the church and then try to make it God and vicariously uh, relive stuff that they couldn't do in their, if they just had a social life. And you need to have proper displacement. That means you need to know what's for the church and what's for your house. And, and, and this compromise with all these little events that y'all are having and calling it a church is ridiculous. Halloween in church, Holy Week, Harvest Day, so, uh, not even regarding uh, his, um, historical intelligence and integrity. Just doing anything and calling it church It's not the church and these are attacks because people are not committed and it's not keeping people I don't care how many of us you have that uh the you know having game night and women's night and uh, 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 Plays and and all this stuff It still don't just dis- because there's no respect cuz there is a, a delusion of hypocrisy and delusion of irrelevance, and they're distracted so much by the world that they, they, they would rather conform than to transform. The, these things are are are, are, dis, are are clouding the purity of what it means to be the church. And I keep telling people, stop stop bringing that stuff in the church. You want to have a party? Go have a party. But when it's time to pray, and when it's time to preach the gospel, and when it's time for the prophetic gifts, to have full effect. And I'm not just talking about a bunch of prophets getting up there saying, yeah, 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 kumbaya. I'm saying having a, a culture where God can meet with humanity and give out sovereign orders and sovereign decrees and, 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 and sound doctrine that can, that can establish a people of character and consistency and commitment as the body of Christ. It is not a social club. Get your social life in order. Go get you some friends. Go get you some some, some outlets and have balance in your life. Nobody says you can't listen to music. Don't go. <laughs> Praise God. Oh, bless his name. Number four, driven by unrealistic expectations. Because some of us, we expect, listen, there, there is no expectation. There can be no disappointments. Let me say that again. Where well, there is no expectation, there can be no disappointment. But there are some things that you should expect to be taking place in your church. You should, one, expect your church to align itself to the authority and the submission of the Scripture and the Holy Spirit. And it should stay set on Jesus, it should stay centralized on Jesus, preaching the cross and Him crucified and resurrected. Hallelujah. Just some basic things, because somewhere we done got it twisted. And then some people, they just have defiance to authority and discipline. That's number five, defiance to authority and discipline. You're going to understand exactly what I'm saying in this lesson today. And yeah, I might sound a little little sharp, but just endure it. Iron sharp of iron. And I'm sharpening today, because there's a spirit out there that's trying to prevent people. And I don't care if they're young or old. Discipline is discipline. The doctrine of the church don't change because generations are advancing. It's the same gospel. It's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that dwells in our mortal bodies and quickens and makes us alive to the truth and makes us alive to the way and it makes us alive to his life. We're not doing anything different. The church is a set. It's set in his will. It's set in his way. It's set in his wonders. It's set in his character. Hallelujah, bless His name. And so, those things are attacks on commitment. So now we can get into this dialogue about church hurt because church hurt exists. Why? Because we're human. Church hurt exists. Why? Because we're human. And as long as we house the, the spirit of God within us, and it's in conflict with the nature of this of of the sin nature, we are we are striving and doing our best to exemplify superiority of the spirit over the flesh. And sometimes that don't always occur. Sometimes we have challenges in that area. But we got to know how to handle those challenges and how to approach those challenges correctly so that we can exist with one another and exemplify the love of God and the compassion of Christ that keeps us in sync with the plan for the church. Do y'all get what I'm saying? So these are likely reasons conflicts happen within the church. Why these occur. Now, now I told you, I've told you so far that church hurt can't happen if you can't say yes to those five basic questions. And then I also shared with you some some attacks on commitment because sometimes it's just that commitment doesn't really exist. <laughs> now I want to get into some likely reasons why conflict doesn't happen in the church. Y'all get what I'm saying? Because there's some reasons why it happens. And I gave you five scriptures as to what you can ground yourself on to know what the church is all about. All right? Now let's give you these five likely reasons why conflict happens in the church. And they start with the saints. Number one, the saints don't choose the right church in the first place. And that's not always a person's fault. Someone like me who was born in churches um, um, may may have been born born in the right family that made a decision to go to the wrong church. Or they were in the right church for that time, but they didn't know how to make proper transitions. Because Just because you started one church don't mean you're going to end that that same church. Some people are in it for life. Some people are in it for a season. And because because of of the progression of technology and the saints, there are many different ways for people to connect and be consistent and committed to a local congregation. Don't make certain, first, that your church is up to the standard of what it means to be the church today. And and because of the means and the advances of communication, you're not confined to the four walls. And, my God, your congregation can, can triple if you learn how to use other other means to connect and advance the church. And there might be a set, and this is for the pastors, a set of committed people that are committed to your local congregation. But then you might have a whole other congregation outside of the four walls of your church, and you are just as accountable to the to the discipleship program of that of that of that platform, especially if you are transmitting your communication across the across the advancements of technology. Do y'all get what I'm saying? So you got to be open, and you got to you got to really comprehend how you can how you can keep a. A system of discipleship in the progression of time. That doesn't mean you compromise the basic standards that make the church what the church is. But sometimes you just become a little more astute and educated in how it, how to advance in time. And these and cyber churches are are relevant. Cyber churches are a new way of of people because there are people all over the world that may not be able to sit in your pulpit, but don't have no problem with being committed and consistent, and even financially contributors to your causes if you have a platform of excellence. Hallelujah. Okay, back to the lesson. Some people didn't choose. Some saints didn't choose the right church in the first place. And because of that, there are conflicts. And sometimes the choices go beyond them, and sometimes they didn't make the right choice. Number two is a, a, a great reason why. It's because the saints weren't weren't always sane in the first place. Did y'all hear what I said? The saints weren't always sane in the first place. Look, look, Just think about it. Some people, like myself, have a testimony that we were in the church, and a lot of things we didn't get in because we had a strong foundation. But then there's some of us, the Lord did a mighty work to save us. Do y'all get what I'm saying? So if 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 he got your attention at a certain place, so that you can get saved, don't mean that you should stay there. Sometimes that place was just a place to get you saved. Back in the day, they they used to say, "I went to the meeting one night, and my heart wasn't right, but something got a hold of me. It was the Holy Ghost, you know." So the Holy Spirit will use many different means and manners. To, 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 to gather mankind. So that's the working of the Spirit, but that don't mean necessarily, especially at the onset of their salvation, that they made the proper choice as to where to set themselves. Because we know what the Scripture says, that those that are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. So the reason why there's not a flourishing in your faith is because you're in the wrong place, and when you started, you weren't saying, you weren't, you weren't thinking right. And you didn't know what to think right. And God's grace and God's mercy allowed the people who connected to you to at least get you through the, through the doorway with your salvation. Some of you, it was just get you in the door just so that you can know that the spirit was moving. And then through time, God is saying, now separate yourself and find out what I'm all about, who I am. Love what I love. Hate what I hate. Live like I live. Do what I do. And say what I say and a lot of times when that happens he will separate you from the time that you were insane because now you have the mind of Christ and it is he that causes you both to will and do his good pleasure and he will work with you when you don't know how to pray as you are the spirit will help you in your infirmities so the spirit will often some at times redirect people and that doesn't necessarily mean that that church is bad or that person was bad but their sanity at the state of their origin of, of accepting salvation is not as secure as it is now. Y'all get what I'm saying? And mature, mature believers and mature leaders in church know that people come in and out all the time. Everybody don't come in with a right mind. Some people do come with a right mind. Some people are, and, and so you have to be uh, the, um, um, accept diverse, the diversity of divinity without losing your sanity because people come with situations that, challenges, that are challenging because they're not always sane when they start. So that's another reason. They're just, just, just not sane. And that doesn't, that doesn't mean, and, and like, like the world is coming to the conclusion, and so is the church, that many people are struggling with mental health issues because they're kind of crazy. But God is not the author of confusion. He has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, Love and a sound mind and so God will often place you at a place so that the spirit can have his way and then God will set you up But you got to be open to the to the move of the spirit But sometimes when they started in the first place, they weren't saints. The, the the saints did not um. thirdly the saints did not understand The structure or the system of the church as they when they first started and a lot of times, they just don't know. And some of them never went to membership class. They just started coming to church. You know, it's so funny. When I was going through a restoration process, you know, and, and the Lord was ministering to me, and I went to a church just to keep the fellowship going, um, people would hear me in the praise and worship setting and say, you should sing. I'm not there for singing. I'm there for stability. It's not about my talent. What's, I'm being guided by the Spirit. I'm just glad to be in the house because I've been through enough hurt to where I don't necessarily want to go back. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hallelujah. And so sometimes because they, people don't understand your structure or your system, you're in conflict with the church, or you don't understand their system and their structure. Um, I'll never forget, they were, um, I was trying to connect with a church one time and they have this long initiation kind of, um, uh, yeah, initiation is the best word, process, like you're joining the fraternity. I ain't for that. That ain't me. And at the season that I was in in life, I was not joining a spiritual fraternity. Okay? I didn't want that. I I wanted a certain type of connection, and I had to communicate to the leaders to say exactly what I needed. Found out that they didn't have that. They didn't have that. And so, I had to, I had to make adjustments, and eventually leave that church because they didn't have what I needed. Y'all get what I'm saying? Okay. Number four, <laughs> and this is a good one. The saints don't don't have enough solid Christian friends. Outside of their local church. Now here's here's a here's an interesting thing. You need friends. First of all, all your friends should be saved. How can two walk together unless they agree? Do you get what I'm saying? So the Bible says, if the love of the world is in you, you can't love God properly. Love not the world, not the things that are in the world, If the love of the world is in you. The love of God doesn't dwell in you. And so you got to make certain that your surroundings and your cultures, even your exterior cultures that are not always confined to your four walls of your church are consistently godly, that you have godly friends because when you do have a tripping moment at your church, you should be able to rely upon some wisdoms of other people who are solid in God that can help you and at least bounce back off you. And a solid person wouldn't entertain you discrediting your own church or, this, or, or exhibiting immature patterns. I mean, they might let you express your frustration because you can be angry, but they're not. But they're not going to let you wallow in self-pity and pride and not give the truth that you need to know because they're solid. You get what I'm saying? So a lot of times, because people don't have healthy relationships, and then they really, and and then they become a little cultish in their own church. When something happened in their church, they try to go to somebody else in their church. And that church, that person's loyalty to the church is on the fence now because if it's something depending on what level of leadership that you're in, they got to determine whether they say something or keep silent. A lot of people are keeping silent, so it's like they're enabling the hurt that is happening. Because they stay in there. Do you get what I'm saying? And God and and then the ministry to them is ineffective. And the reason why it's ineffective is because you can't relate. You can't relate anymore. And and, and, and a lot of times because we're not friendly people and we're mean or we we don't know how to balance and, 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 and really we're not seeing to it that all of our family is saved and all of our social people are saved. Sometimes we just let people stay in their little categories. It's it's messing up. So when you need wisdom in the time of a crisis or a challenge at your own church, you can't you don't have anybody that you can identify that will really sway you right or wrong or indifferent, you know, the right way rather sway and avoid wrong cuz they just are solid. And you got to look at your surroundings. I don't care what church you go to, if everybody that's solid go to your church, something wrong with you. You got to have balance because there's diversity in divinity. Amen. And then the saints, fifthly, are not acquainted. This is the main one. And we go back to Ephesians 4, and I'll read it again with these understanding now. Not acquainted with the authentic relationship that is demanded from the Holy Spirit if you serve Jesus. Now, listen. Listen, the Scripture tells you like this, and it says it in verse 30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby ye are sealed to the day of redemption. And it goes back into letting go things, all bitterness, wrath, and anger, clamor, evil speaking, put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Well, let's get to the meat of the message. Now we can go to the the help. How can we get help? I'm glad you asked because I got some things. Seven things we can do to help church hurt. Number one, call upon the Lord in the time of trouble. It's as simple as calling upon the name of the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Cast your cares on him, for he cares for you. If the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not walk. He'll make you even lie down in green pasture. He'll lead you beside the still waters and he will restore your soul. Call upon the Lord in the time of trouble. He will hear you. Call upon the Lord. Before you call upon a friend, before you call upon your family, because before you call upon a foe that hates your church, when you have a conflict, call upon the Lord and say, Jesus, help me. I'm hurting. This bothers me. Call upon the Lord. I don't see everything. God help me. Y'all get what I'm saying? Number two, compromise and conform not to anything that is not authorized by Scripture. So keep consistent with the Scriptures. You get what I'm saying? That means you need to know the Word of God. If ye abide in my Word, in me, and my Word abides in you, ask and it will be given. You got to commit to the the Word of God. Meditate on the Word. Give yourself wholly to it that your profiting may appear before all. Don't compromise the Word. And this also means when you're doing stuff in a church, if it don't line up with what the purpose is of the church, then you shouldn't be doing it. If your church is having bingo and bingo ain't in Bible, you shouldn't do it because you don't want to compromise the Scripture. The strongest voice of God is the written word of God. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Hallelujah. Compromise and conform not. Conform not to the ways of the world. And some of you sit in a church week after week, and you are entertained, just nothing but entertained, playing a bunch of tricks and games, giving yourself motivational speeches, but never fulfilling the word of God and never fulfilling the plan of God for your life, not hearing the voice of God. And you know why? Because you compromise, for one, you don't know the scripture, and then you're compromising what should be standardized in your church. Because if you're not doing what the church is set to do at your church, what you're going for? Hallelujah. All right, and then number three, consider your own raw and real state of your emotions. I, I'll never forget when I was going through, Dramatic situation in church. Mad as a junkyard dog. Didn't want to shake the hand of the us and the neighbor, anybody, not even my own family and friends. God said to me, Get your emotions in check, get it together. If you got to stay home a couple of weeks and clear your head so you can look at that church with the love that I died for it, get it together you got to be real and honest and raw about your state of emotions. Because some of us, we just emotionally out of control. And God can't get with you pacifying and a- amplifying emotions of the flesh when he's telling you submit to the authority of the Spirit. The fruit are of the Spirit. So you have to submit to the Holy Spirit to enable him to show you how to have peace, patience, long-suffering, kind kindness, of meekness. Temperance, y'all hear what I'm saying? You can't possess those fruits without a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And you can't do that until you say, listen, beyond what I feel, beyond how I react, God's will be done. Amen. And then you have to communicate, number four, is communicate with seasoned saints. Communicate with seasoned saints for wisdom and counsel. In a multitude of counsel, there is safety. In all thy getting, get, under, uh, get with in everything, get wisdom. But in all thy getting, get understanding. That doesn't deter or deny the power of wisdom, but wisdom gives you the ability to appropriate the knowledge that you need to know. And in order to really see that wisdom in full effect, you must understand it. You must be able to stand under it and repeat it at will, regurgitate it in a, in a time of crisis. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? And then you have to also, number, I'm almost out of time, confront the issue, and I'll come back to this in the next lesson. Confront the issue with yourself before you confront it with a person that offended you. And there's a proper way, and I'm going to deal with that in the next lesson, of how to confront someone in love. And then commit to get help for real hurt and refresh what it means to be the church. That means you got to get some help and sometimes that means you got to sit on somebody's couch or that means you got to really find some stability for some emotion. Some things you got to talk out, some things you got to walk out, some things you got to submit to and that may be uncomfortable because you have to deal with you. There's some healing that needs to take place within and this is what you do to help yourself, you got to love your neighbor as yourself, but you can't do that if you've never loved yourself. So you got to discover loving, loving God and what it means to reflect the love of God within your heart and, and, and ask God to create in me a clean heart and renew the right spirit within me. And then finally, seventhly, and I'm going to pick this up in the next lesson and expound a little more in depth uh, insight on these seven things. But well, this is one; these are key cut ways that you can get help. And that is compromise and conform not to anything. Oh, uh, oh no, no no no! I said that one already. Let me make sure I got two notes of there. Cash your cares on Jesus because He cares for you. Amen. So that means not only do you call upon the Lord, but you cash your cares. There comes a point when you've done all that you can do to stand that you just have to give it back to the Lord and say, God, you got this. And sometimes we say, Stand and see the salvation of the Lord. Amen? Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you that you eternal glory to accomplish that which you please and purpose. We praise you and give you glory for it. We thank you, Lord, for this time to be able to study your word. Continue to do what you do best. Be God all by yourself. And we praise you and give you glory. In Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening.